Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today I have joining me Aaron Paul. Aaron, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Hey Chris, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on the show. Aaron, tell me about your current role in your company, Advanced Technology Consultants. Yeah, absolutely. So my title is the Regional uh, Vice President of Sales. Um, I've been with ATC now for 14 years. Um, and so what I do, I started as a, a sales uh, manager. So I, I had a territory and I sold direct into that territory. And then over the years now have gotten to where I manage uh, a pretty large territory in our company. But I also still have uh, a small territory that I directly sell in. Um, and I really appreciate that because in our company, uh, it keeps us fresh as leaders. Uh, we're not talking back, you know, about 10 years ago. Uh, this is how I used to sell. I'm still selling uh, today and then leading the team as well. Oh, that's awesome. Um, when you think back over your career, and, and it's one of the reasons that I had you on the show is that that longevity you've had at ATC, it's not common to see that anymore. Um, you know, where people are jumping around from job to job to job, but when you look back over your career, what, what's really driven your success? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And you're right. Uh, before I answer the question, I mean, yeah, we've, we've done some interviewing, uh, we've done some hiring here recently and uh, the number of people that have, you know, two to three years at one place, two to three years at another, you know, maybe yeah. five years. Uh, it's uh, it seems to be the, the norm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I do uh, find it a privilege to be able to be at one place, uh, takes me a long time to, to learn something. Once you learn it, uh, you want to stay there. You don't want to go learn something else. So, uh, uh, but anyway, so no, I think uh, there's been a few things um, and I've had to think about it over the years as I've been trying to train and lead our team. Um, but I think some of the, the keys to uh, my personal success, one of them I think has been uh, staying at one place uh, for a long time. You know, you start to, to learn more and more. Hopefully you're learning every day. You know, I learn something new every day. Um, never running out of things to to learn and to apply uh, in this job, but hopefully you you start to build off of that. And so I think having that longevity uh, there has helped. Um, also, I would say probably one of the biggest uh, factors that we try to instill in our team and that I've uh, tried to do personally is to take care of our our customers uh, the way that we would want to be treated. Um, you know, I've heard it said that uh, you can have anything in life that you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. We've tried to instill that. We've tried to do that, help our customers genuinely try to solve their problems, try to uh, provide a solution for them. And uh, it seems to, seems to take care of the rest, kind of takes care of itself. So, Yeah, that's, that's a good uh, credo to live by, I think. You know, if you're helping others, good stuff will happen to you. Yeah, yeah, I definitely believe that. For sure. How'd you get your start in sales? Well, so it's a funny story. Uh, so I graduated from the University of Michigan, which we had a uh, little bit disappointing time over uh, over the, the holiday break during the bowl games. Uh, sad <laughs> to see them get destroyed by Georgia, but, uh, you know, it's okay. Um, but I went to the University of Michigan, studied mechanical engineering, and I just thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to graduate. I'm going to go uh, into work as a, an engineer because I grew up in Michigan and really 
everything's automotive related. And uh, so as an engineer, I thought I was going to be an engineer, graduating in engineering. I thought I would graduate and be a, uh, an engineer in the automotive industry. Um, and that was around 2007, 2008. And that was uh, not a great time to be looking for a job, especially in the automotive industry. Um, and so I didn't have a lot of opportunities. Uh, had just gotten married. One of the opportunities I had was uh, had about two to three months travel at a time in Brazil. And I thought, man, that's probably not a great recipe for somebody who just got married to stay married. Um, and so I uh, had a longtime friend of the family who uh, owned this company and I thought he sold computers or something. So uh, anyway, I talked to him and uh, thought, you know, maybe there's some way that my engineering degree could be used here. Um, and so he introduced me to what uh, they did and talked to me about sales. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I don't think I can be a, a sales guy, you know, because I had this preconceived notion that sales guys, you know, they're all kind of sleazy and they're just trying to get people to buy stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm an engineer, you know, I can't I can't do sales. But it sounded interesting. And, you know, really, for lack of, uh, of you know, better reason, I needed a job. Uh, I just got married. So I had to had to do something. And so I started with, it was ATC, uh, Advanced Technologies Consultants. I started with uh, with them back in 2008. And it was probably three or four years until I really fell in love with sales. Um, and I think what helped make that switch for me, it's kind of like I said at the beginning, I, I realized that sales at its heart is problem solving. If you've got a good product, then what sales is, is you're, you're taking a person who needs that good product and you're providing that product to them. We're not convincing people. I'm not swindling people. I'm, I'm solving their problems with the great products that we have uh, to offer. So I, that's how I got my start in sales and how I fell in love with sales. I, I feel the exact same way. I hate selling. Mm -hmm. To me, I, I, I hate it, but I love helping people yeah. and I love transforming whatever problems they're having into solutions. And uh, to me, that's, it, it's easy to sell if you're doing that. Right. Yeah. Um, what was the hardest part or the hardest thing for you to learn when you were starting in sales? There's a lot. There's a lot of hard things. Uh, probably the most difficult thing for me to learn, I would say, was um, getting over the, uh, I guess you could call it nerves. Some of it was just the ego of cold calling. Um, because, you know, a lot of this, uh, this business, the territory that I uh, had moved into was one that hadn't been covered uh, really well. And so I I had to develop the, the territory. I had to go knock on, literally knock on doors. Uh, I had to go meet people and I had to, uh, had to do a lot of cold call. I call them warm calls now, but I had to do cold calls. And, uh, and that, that was tough because you're, you know, you're walking in, you're nervous. You're, you know, you're probably literally, I was literally sweaty early on. Um, and, and you're nervous and that, you know, that, comes across very easily uh, to the customers. They, they get nervous. Like, why is he so nervous? Um, so I think learning, learning that was difficult. And I think combined with that, as a young, hungry sales guy, learning, like we were just talking about, learning to view the customer not as a dollar sign and not as a potential sale, but as, as somebody that I'm going to try to help. Now, obviously, if they don't have money and they're not a prospect, uh, you know, I've, I've got to, I've got to be efficient in the way I'm spending my time. That being said, I think the customers could tell when I was just coming in young, nervous, and just saw them as a sales opportunity. Uh, they didn't, they didn't feel like I was really there to, to help solve their problems. Now 
money's almost an afterthought. I'm going in to, to find out, ask questions. What's your, what are your problems? What are your, you know, what are the solutions we have and how can we help? So I'd oh, say yeah. that's probably the, the one that was the most difficult. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Um, being able to put yourself in your customer's shoes and, and have that level of empathy to feel what the, you know, the pain that they're really living in, it's real. You know, it's not just some uh, made up opportunity for you to make money off of, it's, it, it's very real to them. Right. So what role does empathy for you play in, in your sales process? Uh, well, it's a, it's a huge one. And I love that you said empathy because uh, I think there's two terms, you know, there's sympathy and there's empathy. Um, and I think sympathy is, uh, you know, where you're, you're feeling somebody's pain because you're there. Uh, and empathy is I can understand that pain, but I'm not there right now. And I, I can help you get a way out. Uh, you know, sympathy is going to lose you sales uh, because the customer is going to say, this is too much money. I don't, I don't have this money. And, you know, if you're in that same, the same situation, like, oh, yeah, no, I know it's too tough. You can't can't afford it. Uh, but if you if you have empathy, you can understand how they feel. You can understand that's a that's a difficult place. I've been there. You know, I, I haven't been able to afford stuff, but let me let me take a step back. Let me feel that pain. But now let me let me help you uh, long term see how this is actually going to long term be a solution to a bigger problem that maybe you don't even know that you have. So, yes, the short term is you don't feel like you have this much money, but um, you know, for example, just throwing a random product out there, you know, that oftentimes uh, something that is uh, less expensive is usually a lower quality, right? Good, good things are rarely cheap and cheap things are rarely good. Um, and so being able to show them how, okay, right now you might think this decision is the right decision because it's less expensive, but let me help you see how actually the more expensive short-term is actually less expensive in the in the long term. Um, so I think that's empathy. Yeah, big time. Um, so you like you know as we said at the beginning of the show, you've had a, a real progression at ATC. Um, what was it about you that made them tap you on the shoulder and say, Aaron, we want you to consider sales leadership? Did they ever yeah. tell you that? Uh, I've asked. Um, and there've been, there've been a few things. So one, uh, I was a, uh, and, and still am, uh, a sales leader as far as just individual sales. Um, I think out of the last six years, I've been number one, five of the six years, uh, in our, in our company. So that was one. Um, but then another, another one was just, uh, there, there was nobody else, uh, uh, to, to pick, not, not that there was nobody else, but nobody else with the experience, uh, nobody else with the, uh, uh, knowledge of our company so that always keeps me humble to know you know it, it yeah it was uh you know my sales it, had i not I, I think it had i not been number one they probably would have tried to look for somebody else had i not exhibited some of the characteristics that i uh, exhibit and try to live out every day but that being said you know it keeps me humble knowing uh part of it was just right place at the right time there was nobody else that was uh, qualified so yeah luck always or i don't call it luck because i think we make our own luck um, mm -hmm. but timing it's hard to control sometimes, you right. know, and, and so that that's uh, it's nice that you recognize that. But, you know, I talk to a lot of sales leaders on this podcast and a lot of people tell me that, hey, look, your top sales guys rarely make great sales leaders. So there's something about you as being a top performer that's also, you know, that made you a great leader. Can you talk about maybe what some of those qualities are? 
Sure. Uh, and again, this I'm still learning this every day. Uh, so I don't I don't uh, purport to be like the expert at this uh, by any means. But I do think uh, one is like I was saying at the beginning, it's not something I wasn't a sales leader out of the out of the gate. Uh, I, I think I like to joke with my wife, uh, you know, I don't make the same mistake twice, but I've made every mistake you can make at least once. Uh, so so I, I, I had a learning process uh, and I think that in some ways has helped me to be able to lead because I can, again, back to empathy, I can empathize with our, our sales guys and I can say, you know, our sales individuals and I can say, you know, he, here's, here's where I was, here are the mistakes that I've made uh, and here's how I learned to change that. Here's the changes that I made that made a significant difference in my personal sales. Um, so I think that's part of it. And then part that I've uh, always tried to implement is humility. Um, I think as a leader, um, you know, being able to empathize, but also um, being able to, you know, to be humble in the way that I'm leading our team and the way that I'm uh, carrying myself and the way that I'm uh, conveying messages to them and trying to uh, instill those same qualities and, and push the team uh, in a humble way. I think those are uh, two keys that I've seen. Were you nervous about making the transition from salesperson to sales leader? That's a great question. Uh, yes, yes, I was uh, because the way that our uh, the way that our, our pay uh, is structured in our company, um, the individual sales person, I, I'd just gotten used to to that, and it was a it was more much more long term. Uh, it was going from an in, individual uh, contributor. To now, you know, so I'm, I'm worried about myself and my sales to now I'm supposed to be excited and worried about and caring about everybody else's uh, sales. So I went from the, the player to the coach. And yeah, it was uh, it was scary because it was, you know, I'd gotten comfortable. I'd gotten used to how I could make my, uh, you know, kind of write my own ticket, so to speak, as an individual guy. And now I had to step back and say, whoa, I've got to you know, I've got to think about this more um, as a coach. I have to think about more than just my region. I have to think about more than just my customers. I have to think about what helps us as a whole, what helps us as a company. Uh, you know, I have to be uh, listening. I have to be looking at my other guys. What are, what are they struggling with? What are, uh, you know, what are their strong uh, points? What are, what are their strengths? Where are their weaknesses? You know, where can they improve? And so I was definitely uh, daunted by it, but it's been something that I've slowly uh, grown into and really enjoy. And I could probably say uh, more excited now when I have a, a sales guy call me and, you know, he or she has closed the sale and they're excited about it. I actually get more excited about that than my own personal sales now, uh, but it wasn't right away. It definitely took a, took some time. Uh, early on, I think, or at least what I've heard a lot of people when you're, when you're first in a leadership role, and actually, I think back to when I first became a leader, I would do this too, where it's very tempting to say, well, let me just dive in there and I'll fix all the problems. Did you deal with that? And if so, how did you learn to, to, to back away from that temptation? Thank, thank you for saying that, because I thought I was the only one uh, that, that felt <laughs> that way. Uh, yeah, for the first six months, uh, I was like, what, what did I do? All I'm doing is solving, you know, I had enough problems just by myself. Now I'm solving everybody's problems, uh, you know, back to the solving problems thing. Um, and I think what, what I did was I realized, okay, wait, wait, what, what am I in this role and in my, my expertise, my skill set, um, my gifting, what, what is it, 
what am I uniquely able to do? And uh, what are things that I, I don't need to, yes, I could do that, but w- what are the things that I'm, the only things that I could do, I guess, to put it that way. And so it was a process again, like anything with me, it was, it was a long process, but, uh, but after about six months, I started, instead of just answering the call and saying, yeah, here, let me take care of that for you. Or let me, you know, yeah, I'll shoot you an email, you know, later today, I would say, well, here, you know, here's who you need to call for that, or here's how to figure out that solution. So I'm helping them find the solution, but I'm not doing it for them. Um, now, if it's something uniquely that I need to do, you know, if it's, hey, I've got to talk to our president about something, you know, I can handle those things. Um, but starting to delegate the things that I wasn't supposed to, you know, uniquely do anyway, uh, really helped. So now I think that's given me more time, but it's given me more excitement. Uh, and it's really more coaching. You know, I, I was I was doing stuff for people before. Now I'm helping coach uh, and help them to do that for themselves. Yeah, a big thing that I had to learn, thinking back that time was, uh, um, I, I just I kind of instituted a role that hey, if you're going to bring me a problem, you also need to bring me what you think the solution needs to be. That's great, and we'll talk about that. And uh, because I realized I was actually inhibiting the growth of my entire team because I was solving everything. They weren't engaging their brains to try to solve it on their own. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll be the sounding board. We'll talk through it because guess what guys, I don't have all the answers. I may have the title on the door of my business card, whatever. I don't have all the answers. Right. And uh, so we're gonna have to talk about it, brainstorm, whatever. Glad to help you do that. Um, but you need to be prepared to have that discussion when you come to me. And that was a real growth for me, a big leap forward. Um, it also made my life a heck of a lot easier. It's <laughs> awesome. No, that's great. Yeah. Um, thinking back, uh, you know, you've been in your role now for a while. When you think back to those early days, is there one thing that stands out that you wish you knew, that you know now that you wish you knew then? One thing. Yeah. Uh, you guys have Just to limit one. the one. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh yes i mean uh one thing that i wish i knew um i think is probably what i said at the beginning i think uh knowing that if i if i just really tried to take care of of the customer um that uh you know kind of the rest will will take care of itself and and not now that's a very simple you know we can spend hours talking about the whole process uh believe me i've tried to uh, with our team go through what does that process look like? You know, it starts with questions. It's not just coming in and doing a presentation. Um, but I think, yeah, if I could say to, to the Aaron of 14 years ago, uh, you know, if you, if you do, if you really, if you go in uh, seeking to, to listen and then uh, solve that problem and not seeing that person as a, uh, uh, a dollar sign, I think that would, uh, that would be something that I, I wish. And I don't think I lost a ton of sales early on. I think I just, was spinning my wheels for a couple of years just uh, until I started to get that. Right. right. Yeah. It's um, it, one of our core values is listening. And, and we actually have it right now. Like consultants, we love to talk. Mm-hmm. But I really feel the best consultants love to listen. Mm. You know, and because and, that's, you're not going to have that empathy component if you can't put yourself in their shoes. And if you can't do that, if you're not listening and hearing what their problems are. Right. Yeah. yeah. If I'm just waiting for you to stop so then I can tell you my product. Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. you hear that in my voice and you're not buying. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, wait a minute. You didn't hear anything I just said. 
you, you blew right you blew right past that and you're just pitching me now yep yeah um what has been your uh, uh do you think your biggest success as a leader oh uh biggest success as a leader i would say uh for right now now you know i'm hoping this will continue to, to build i've got lots of goals uh for our team uh, but so far i would say the biggest success has been um, building our building our team so I was, I was able to i was you know blessed to be able to be in the position at the timing that i was to really each and every guy that we have hired now in my region i i personally hired so i didn't inherit anybody um you know i, did, I didn't have any of that i was able to build my team, I was able to interview each of those people. Um, and so I, I would say that's uh, probably the biggest success is building that team, but then also, you know, coupled with that is, is not just hiring those people and putting them on the team, but uh, building structure and camaraderie so that they really view each other as teammates. They, they are already calling each other. They're already helping each other, you know, team selling together. Um, and so I, I would say that's probably, uh, for me, that's the, the biggest uh, success and, you know, gives me the, the most gratification looking back at, at this role so far. That's pretty awesome. What's your strategy to promote that kind of uh, the teamwork and that communication amongst your team? Uh, yeah, I think it's a great question. I'd say it's uh, it's two part. Um, one is the, the person. Um, and so, you know, try obviously an in interview, you only get to know a person so much. Uh, you try to ask questions. Uh, unique questions to try to get to know them more. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, risk, a lot, of, it's a lot of faith just saying, I hope that this uh, person is who I think they are. But I think if you get that right person, that's a huge, uh, maybe the biggest part, if you have the right person, um, I, I think they're, they're going to be successful uh, on a team and also in sales, if you have the right person. Um, but then I think to build that camaraderie, then you take that right person and you give them a place, uh, a regular meeting place, regular uh, connection. So what we do is we have a, and we limit it to 30 minutes. We have a 30 minute weekly call as a team um, on Zoom. Uh, that's one of the things you be very thankful for uh, uh, COVID is it helped us all, you know, get to use these tools that have been out there for a while. So we do that, uh, you know, we're all over Texas, but we, we meet together weekly, face-to-face, -face, virtually um, for 30 minutes. And then once a quarter, we get together in person uh, and we have a one-day uh, meeting where we're, we're um, strategizing, we're planning, we're, we're doing training together. And, and so I think those two uh, pieces uh, have given us a regular place to meet. And then again, I think they're the right people uh, that when they're given that place, they're, they're connecting with each other. They're, uh, they're uh, building that camaraderie as a team. That's awesome. Um, when uh, um, when you had a, a team member that maybe is not performing as you were hoping, um, what's your approach to help them elevate and get where you, they, they need to be? Yeah, well, that's a great uh, question. And then I'll, I'll take, uh, if anybody wants to contact me after, give me advice, I'll take uh, all the <laughs> advice I can get. Yeah, there um, you go. But what I've been doing is, uh, uh, doing uh, the SWOT analysis and just uh, sitting down with the person. Um, and we do this with all of our, all of our guys. Uh, and so we'll do what's called an annual performance review. 
Um, I don't do it quarterly because our our business is so the sales cycle is so long in the educational sphere that uh, you know we, we quarterly so little can can happen in between a quarter, but a year kind of gives you a good picture of how somebody's doing. So we do an annual performance review with the SWOT analysis. We look at their strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, um, and then kind of use that as an opportunity to then. Uh, you know, bring observations. I also do um, what I call ride-alongs where I'm doing this with everybody, but then I'm, I'm making a regular habit of giving feedback to those guys uh, as we're riding or riding along. So I, I watch their presentations. I, you know, see them with customers and then can give them constructive uh, criticism. And most of the time it's, it's nothing um, negative. It's probably one of the biggest challenges for me as a leader is how, you know, I'm very hard on myself but I, I'm not that way with my sales team. Uh, and so, you know, trying to know how to, how to balance that, how to be supportive, encouraging, uh, you know, and, and cheering them on as a coach, but then at the same time, you know, when they need correction, uh, being able to bring that correction. So that's what I'm, I'm doing right now. And uh, we'll see this year if it, if it works. So. <laughs> yeah. How do you leverage failure, those lost deals as a learning opportunity? That's a, uh, that's a great question. Well, uh, again, you know, I mentioned before, I, I try not to repeat mistakes, but I've made them all, uh, I think. So one is, again, with that humility, I, I come in and say, most of those mistakes I've made, uh, and if I have made that mistake, I will use that as an example and say, hey, here's, how, here's what happened to me. Um, you know, I, I made this mistake. I lost this job in the very same way that you seem to have lost it. Uh, and, and here's what I did uh, from that. And, and, you know, usually, uh, hopefully, and most of the time I do have a good story after that of, you know, here's, here's either what I learned from that and how it made me better for future sales, or here's how in the long run that person actually uh, decided to do business with us. And here's what we did to, to make that happen. Um, and I, I'll share that. So I've had a couple opportunities to do that um, here recently with some of our uh, sales guys. And again, it seemed to be received well, you know, again, long-term, we'll see if it, uh, if it actually took root and, and what happens from it. But, uh, but that's how I typically would handle it. Yeah. The thing I love about that approach is that uh, you're making yourself vulnerable to your team by sharing, hey, look, I've fallen on my face uh, many times. And, but it, it's okay. I pick myself up. I move forward. And this is how. And uh, I, I think uh, you know, being able to make yourself vulnerable as a leader is really important. Could you could you talk about that? Because it sounds like that's a big part of your approach. Yeah, no, uh, I I think uh, again the key that I was saying before. I think humility is a big big key to that. Um, the challenge is you know being being humble yet uh, you know you don't want to uh, you don't want to uh, be so weak that uh, know, they don't, yeah. they're not looking up to you. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a difference between vulnerable and weak. Right. You know, in my mind, anyway. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and so I think it's a combination. I think it, what I what I tend to do is, uh, you know, I, I think think back honestly over my success, and you know, like you said earlier, I love what you said about luck. I, I totally agree. I don't 
really believe in in luck. I think uh, luck happens when preparation meets opportunity. Uh, the opportunities there, uh, oftentimes, you know, I've run into somebody in the parking lot, you know, like, what? I didn't even know I was going to run into this person. Had I not been prepared with the elevator speech, with the literature in my bag, you know, that that might have gone nowhere. Um, so I try to, to tell my guys that. But I, I would say uh, that humility, uh, thinking through, really honestly thinking through the success that I've had. Um, and it's always right next to some kind of failure. You know, so, something happened uh, where uh, maybe it was a year before I had lost a job, but it prepared me for that opportunity when it arose. Um, and so I think just if I'm honest with myself, uh, you know, I'm aware of so many mistakes that I've made, but then uh, so many times that I've, I've been able to um, use that as a learning opportunity. So I just try to share that uh, with yeah. the guys. Yeah. Um, let's talk about one of my favorite topics, CRM. Okay. When it comes to CRM, do you love it or do you hate it? Well, it's a, a love-hate relationship, I think. Uh, I love the concept of it. Uh, I, I, I absolutely love the concept of it. Um, I think where uh, I would say the love-hate comes in is uh, in having to do the work to set it up. Um, I, as much as I would, you know, somebody look at my schedule and say, man, Aaron works really, really hard. There are some things that I'm lazy with, and I would say uh, putting in the, the work to set up a CRM uh, is probably one that uh, that I, I'm I'm lazy in, but I need to need to do more uh, with that. So, the uh, when it comes to CRM, so many companies I talk to, they they really they answer it the same way you did. They're like, hey, we look at this as kind of a necessary evil, and that always worries me or it's always concerned me that it's in um, and it's become part of my passion to kind of change this in, in the world that you know CRM if it's done right it's a tool like any other tool you know and, and it's there to help you and uh, it's not just for the management team but it's really you know if it's done the right way it becomes a really beneficial tool to those frontline people out there trying to help grow the company um, why do you think it's so hard for people to make that to get their CRM to where it truly is a tool? I think the the same reason uh, is difficult for people to to get a, a diet to be a tool uh, or a, a calendar or a planner. You know, I, I think all of those things. Uh, and I and I say this: this is the first year. Now, with what is it, January seventh today? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a week I'm a week in, but uh, this is the most planned I've ever been I took an entire day to just set out my planner for the year set up a calendar um, and it feels great right now the first week uh, but maybe we'll use a diet as an analogy uh, you know it took my wife and I a while to change our relationship with food but once we did that it actually gave us so much more freedom in the ways that we're eating budgeting the same way right if I'd, I never create a budget um, I don't know how much money I have to spend. So I'm actually, unless I'm super frivolous, I'm actually a little more hindered in my spending because I don't know how much I have to spend. So I'm just saving it all, uh, hoarding it all. And I think similar with the CRM is, uh, you know, it can give you freedom because it, it gives you a, a, a direct, uh, a clear knowledge of who are our customers, who are we touching, who are we contacting, who have we not contacted in a while, who, you know, it gives you all of that information so then you're free in your marketing strategy. You're free in your sales approach, uh, you know, in a lot of different ways. So um, that's, I would say, probably 
so to answer your question, it's probably just that uh, that that block of I I, I don't see it as a uh, a good thing long term. I don't see it as, a, as that tool as it really is. Um, you know, like budgeting. Yeah, we talked in the, the before the show that you guys are considering moving to a new CRM. Can you talk about what's driving that move? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, when we we started with the CRM that we did, we just had uh, an internal champion who said, "This is the brand I want to go with." A lot of it had to do with pricing, and we just we just took that person's word for it and we went with it. Um, and so I think what we're doing now is we're doing what we should have done in the first place as a leadership team, we're stepping back, taking time, taking two or three days to go through our whole marketing strategy, our whole company strategy. And then based on those priorities, deciding what, what CRM that's out there makes the most sense uh, based on those things. And uh, my guess is it's not going to be the, the company that we currently are, are working with. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that you guys are doing that. That's the number one thing when I start, uh, one of the first questions I ask when I uh, start talking to companies like, what are your strategic goals? And, uh, and if they don't have a clear vision of that, then the conversation we have is very different because it's like, hey, if you don't know where you're going as a business, how do you expect technology to help you? You know, you have to have a vision, you have to have a direction. And it's in that direction that you establish your guardrails of whatever it is, technology, business process, culture, all those things that are, are impacted by that, you need to create that alignment. And that vision, those strategic goals will create that for you. So I, I love that you guys are taking that time to start from that position. I think that's key to having a, success, a successful uh, implementation, not only of CRM, but also the changes you're gonna have to make to your sales process, data, you know, uh, culture even the things all the things that go into having that successful deployment um, what's your definition of success for CRM Ooh, uh, definition of success for CRM that's a great question um, I would say uh, you know kind of joking I think one that we're using oh that would be one uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. the one we currently have we are not really using so that's not success uh, so one is one that we've actually uh, you know, put all of our, our data, all of our customer contact uh, into and then we're using. Um, but I think one that's uh, a success for us would be one that is um, accurately representing who are our customers, um, what, what products do our customers currently have. So then we can use that data to help with our marketing strategy, you know, with our information that we're sending those customers and with, you know, we, we still, we have boots on the ground. We're, we're still, I don't know if it's old school, but we're still, we want to be in person. Uh, our industry, we've got to have that face to face. Uh, we've got to bring in equipment and, and demonstrate it for the schools. Uh, and so being able to, to give information to our sales team that's out there on the ground uh, and accurate information. Uh, that's to me, that's a successful CRM. Uh, spot on. Um, you'd be amazed how many companies I've talked to and I'll ask the question, can you, uh, how long does it take you to compile a list of your customers and what services they're currently using or products they're currently using? And more often than not, I'm getting a blank stare back at me um, because they're like, oh, well, we can do that, but it's going to take us a while. And right. it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be like that at all. That should be at your fingertips. Yep. And that should be driving your business. 
um, your market, like you said, your marketing engagement of your customer, you know, so if me as a salesperson, I can look down and say, okay, they've got this and this and this, I need to sell them this. You know, that's the next, the natural thing, the next, the natural next step in our relationship. Um, and then it's like you're saying, it's then I'm really truly helping that customer, not just selling more. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what do you think is going to be the hardest thing about going to a new CRM for your company? Uh, well, I guess the, the good news is, uh, you know, we haven't put in a lot of data in the previous one. So I would have said, you know, porting over that, that data. Um, but uh, I think the hardest thing is going to be uh, just getting, getting started because like you said, um, I mean, we've been in business as a company since 1964. So we have territories where we've had somebody selling for over 50 years. Uh, that's a lot of data. That's a lot of customer relationships. And 90% of that has been in the salesperson's head or on paper, maybe, uh, or in a Excel spreadsheet somewhere, um, or both paper and Excel spreadsheet and not, they're not both uh, accurate, uh, you know, and so trying to take all of that data and take all of these sales individuals that we have uh, all across the nation and getting them all on the same page and getting them to, to put in the data um, I think is going to be the biggest challenge, uh, but I think we have a we're we're all on the same page as far as a leadership team and wanting that uh, resource done. So. Well, that's good. It's got to start there. Well, we're coming up on our time here on Sales Lead Dog. Aaron, this has been great chatting with you, listening to you. Um, if people want to reach out, connect with you, they want to learn more about ATC. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, no, that's, uh, thanks for asking, Chris. Thanks for your time. Um, I would say probably the best for me would be on LinkedIn, um, either that or, uh, or my email. But, uh, but yeah, LinkedIn would be, uh, be the best way to get a hold of me. Awesome. And we'll have, for those of you listening, Aaron's info on, in our show notes. So uh, be sure to check that out. Um, again, Aaron, thank you for coming on Sales Lead Dog. Chris, thanks so much for your time. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube. And you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales Lead Dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.